We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 489 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm your host, and I'm still going to be off air for a little bit of time now. You won't see me for a few more days, but it was El Clasico. Whether you call it preseason or not, that's how the clubs promote it. So I know there's an argument about whether an El Clasico is, can really be El Clasico outside of just a Liga. But anyway, that's how the clubs promote it, so that's what I'm calling it. And because it is El Clasico, that means that, yes, we did have to do five headlines. So that's exactly what we're going to do here. Let's dive right in. Headline one is best for Barca, and talking about some of the players that really shown. Yeah, for Barcelona, was it a flattering 3 nothing win? Of course it was. We'll talk about the chances that Real Madrid had, and Barcelona certainly did not deserve on paper a 3 nothing win. But they did have a number of players, had to me not only a net positive, but we talked about stock up, stock down against Arsenal. These are players who are regulars, whose stock is now way up, having not really talked much about them against Arsenal. That includes Frankie de Jong, who I thought was excellent in this match, stock way up for him. You can tell that having a lot more freedom, and not to say even without Busquets, but having Earl Bumeyu will say do even less <laughs> with the ball progressively than Busquets used to do, means that Frankie de Jong is going to have to just constantly be really, really important to this side. There is no fading into the background for Frankie de Jong if Barcelona are going to get a positive result. There were days when I think Gabi and Pedri, even when Barcelona were playing at their best, when Frankie was good enough and not even pedestrian, but above average, and it was good enough because it was a collective team effort. In this Barcelona, in this version of Barcelona, next to Oral Romeu, and until Gundogan kind of gets his feet set, we'll talk about him a little bit later, Frankie Young does need to be the guy. And he bossed that midfield today. He was really important. And the second even that Barcelona turns the ball over, whether it was Romeu picking up, whether it was Balde, it was Frankie Young immediately going to get it and taking action and being the guy who was taking the initiative and showing his personality. And that's what you want to see from Frankie Young. So big ups for him today. Or Romeu. I didn't get too bad out of shape about his performance against Arsenal because I figured that he would figure a few more things out and they were working through some things, tinkering, and a lot, lot less tinkering today from Xavi. Whether it was the press, whether it was in build-up, whether it was possession, and that really suited Oro Romeu. 
because he got to be a bit more comfortable and show you what he does. That shot hitting the post and in and out, I mean, it was so well hit. So we even know that is his highlight. That is not what people should think about and remember from Orba Mayo from this game. I think the fact that he was really tidy and the fact that Orba Mayo also is not going to hit those long vertical balls or even horizontal long balls the way that Busquets does with that kind of regularity. Instead, it's going to be him finding with those short passes, recycling possession to De Young, to Pedri. Everything with Orba Mayu tends to be safe, and you're going to see a lot more of that this year than you are going to see him trying to break through lines or do some of the things that Busquets did at that position. Because we're going to keep doing it. I bring up Busquets not to compare the two, but to say how Orba Mayu's role in that pivot position next to Frankie De Young is going to be different, both for good reasons and for bad reasons, than what we saw from Busquets last year. For me, Lopez, we're going to obviously talk about him in the fifth headline, so we'll get back to him as one of the best players for Barca today. I also wanted to shout to Ter Stegen, Pedri, and Koundé, who I thought those three were kind of that next group down after the best three in De Jong, Romeo, and Fermin Lopez. Ter Stegen, we'll again talk about him in a bit with the Madrid stuff, but he was excellent and lucky. Those two things important for him. Pedri, also, as I mentioned, a lot of horizontal long balls from him in a good way. He still didn't look totally with it or on it, but when Barcelona, and it was an odd thing too when we talk about control, and the, there were times in the match when Barcelona didn't have control, but when Barcelona did have control, and when Barcelona were on the front foot, I would even say that first three to four minutes of the match, when there was a lot of one-touch passing, Barcelona were building, through triangles, through combinations, and Pedri is at the center of all of it. I thought Pedri was, again, as important and instrumental to this team offensively in the opponent's third as you'd expect, I'm going to arguably say, your best player to be. And then lastly, Koundé, playing center back with Araujo playing at right back today. They did switch that at times, but largely it was Koundé as the right center back. And I thought he did a really good job helping out with Vinny Jr., sliding over when he needed to, especially in the second half when he had to kind of carry some of the water for Serginho Dest. And he would also help out Eric Garcia in the same way and supporting De Jong and Romeo in important spots. So I thought Koundé was just solid, all around solid throughout the game. And one of the only players that stayed on the field along with Ter Stegen throughout that match. There was a special run out of pressure by Alejandro Balde in his own half and extra time in the first half, but he didn't necessarily have an impact on the game in profound ways the way he did against Arsenal. He and Danny Carvajal were about a wash on either side, which is totally fine. Again, Danny Carvajal, good player. I think maybe the weak spot for Real Madrid, but a lot of what Barcelona were doing was actually coming through their right side through Dembélé. Same thing with Real Madrid. They were flooding everything through their left side. So it's totally fine that two that being Balde and Carvajal kind of just cancel each other out. As far as Lewandowski, there's already some kind of argument, some kind of division, some saying that he wasn't very good in this match, others saying that he was good in the match, and I kind of fall in the camp that I thought he was more of a net positive than a net negative at all. I thought he worked really hard, and I think there was those little things between he and Gundogan, as much as them being Dortmund former teammates, I had mentioned it after Arsenal, and I'll say it again. That's going to start to click, and I think Gundogan is going to be, along with Dembele, Lewandowski's main source or main contributor of the primary assists. And that combination just isn't there yet. And it will be. And Lewandowski was making the runs and he was making himself available for the things that weren't happening. And so watching Lewandowski off ball when he isn't receiving, yeah, he had some bad touches today, but they can't all be perfect. That's fine. He also wasn't really finding the net. Sure, wasn't putting himself in scoring spots, but in the same respect, he was. He was working hard off the ball. He was checking to the ball. He was making countless runs at a far post and a near post. And Barcelona just didn't have their T's crossed and their I's dotted just yet. But I think that will certainly come, especially in that 3-2-4-1 that Xavi said last season was the one that he trusted with those four midfielders. We haven't seen Gabi yet, but I do trust that that 3-2-4-1, that's now what Xavi is going to try to refine through the rest of this preseason. 
give or take some injuries and players' fitness and things like that. Headline two is silence the rumors, and even though you think this is about Dembele, we'll talk about him first, it's not just about Dembele. I think this headline applies to multiple players. 1-0, Dembele, his goal, a well-struck finish from the training ground, Gunawin to Pedri, who slides through to Dembele at a comfortable angle for him, then he went power over anything else, and once again, just like Rafinha, what if Dembele, and I know it's kind of the opposite thinking as last year, where his goal contributions were not necessarily as good as what the impact that we know he makes in those times of chaos, but what if Dembele this season is a bit more like Rafinha, where he will score the occasional goal, he will have the assist, and his goal contributions wind up being much more positive than all the moments that people get on him. Was this a good game by Dembele? Not really. Was this bad? No. He opened the scoring. He defended really well, I thought, in this game, helping out Ronald Araujo with Vinny Jr., as well as Ferland Mendy on that left side in the first half. So as far as getting a defensive performance from Dembele and getting a goal, I mean, what more could you truly ask from Dembele throughout a match when the opponent didn't score? And while I think he was always sticking around, Dembele, I know him scoring a goal doesn't mean that he is going to buff all the PSG rumors and any interest that they might have in him. But today is now the 29th. At this point, when I'm recording it, it's going to be the 30th soon. That means there's one more day on the release clause. And I think 100 million euros. Yeah, of course, if they sell Mbappe to Real Madrid, then PSG can still afford that. But I don't think that's where their money would go. So you basically got, what, 36 more hours to have to worry about Dembele. And then the other silence of the rumors is the Ferran Torres stuff about him basically being the odd man out because Xavi would rather take a shot on Ansu Fati and what he can contribute than Ferran Torres. But as I keep saying, until Vita Roque shows up and is the backup striker to Lewandowski, why can't it be Ferran Torres? I know Lewandowski plays a lot of minutes, rarely comes out, but he is again a year older than he was last year. Ferran Torres also getting a really important goal. And these are the kind of guys, that being Ferran Torres, not so much Dembele, that Ferran is in a prove-it kind of moment here in the preseason. I know that a preseason doesn't truly matter, but it does for certain players to prove something to the manager. And Ferran Torres scoring that third goal, putting that game past it. The assist goes to Fermin Lopez. Again, more on him later. But for Ferran, it was a wonderful touch to get himself past Courtois and then the touch to finish it. And as far as that game, when he scored the goal, they had had, that being Barcelona, tons of substitutions, tons of changes. Real Madrid had basically consistently kept mostly the same team with the standard five changes made throughout the game. And Ferran Torres was still able to find the opportunities, find the positions, and make himself important in the game. So good on him, and maybe that does silence the rumors about him not sticking around. Maybe he will actually be sticking around now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Headline three is Madrid's threat. 
as I said, for Barcelona, not really a flattering 3-0, but it's a preseason friendly against Real Madrid. Who really cares? And for Madrid, you kind of see what they were doing here, too. I'm going to talk about them now instead of even Barcelona because there were two teams in this. And as the nearest rival will say, you have to admit it, to the Liga crown this season, I think a lot of pundits are now saying that Real Madrid is going to answer Barcelona winning La Liga last season. And you kind of saw some of the things that they're also tinkering with. Both these teams clearly was a work in progress. And for Madrid, everything was as expected running through Vinny Jr. And Barcelona, obviously more positionally sound. Someone is in the different zones of the field, and it's a numbers game in those different zones. But Madrid is much more freestyle. And between Vinny Jr., Rodrigo, and Bellingham, the emphasis was on Barca's right side. That's what they flooded, Araujo and Koundé. And that makes sense for Madrid. If you do what works offensively at that level, you trust yourself, regardless of whether or not arguably Barcelona's two best defenders, and yeah, Koundé's been hit or miss, but on paper, Araujo and Koundé, that side should be the stronger side of that back four. But again, you trust yourself against whoever it may be if you think that that attacking plan is going to work. And Madrid are also trying out and working through that diamond midfield to try to get all of Bellingham Kamavinga, Chumani, and Valverde on the field together, and certainly they have their moments, and they create a lot of opportunities that way. Now, of course, for Madrid, too, everything would change for them. If you substitute Rodrigo for Mbappe, and there's a world where Real Madrid put in six or seven in that game with Mbappe leading the charge, and while being worrisome for Barcelona, that's, again, also not what happened. Frustratingly for Barca, that penalty that wound up being a missed penalty, I think it was a bit of momentum for the Blagrana. It was a ball whipped in, Ronaldo another handball, another penalty, that's two in two games. Madrid were creating chances, and it's still inexcusable for Marajo for that to happen. But then, just like Saka, Ter Sagan's luck still hasn't went out yet, and Vinny Jr. smacks the top of the post. That's what I wrote at that point, not knowing that Ter Stegen and the post, that was only the beginning of their luck in this game. It was another good save from Ter Stegen in the 32nd. Full extension, one strong paw on Rodrigo's free kick. Then the 39th minute, how did Real Madrid not score there either? Vinny Jr. and Bellingham both hit the post. 62nd minute, somehow, Chilmani's long-range missile bounces off to Ter Stegen in a way that the ball doesn't find the net after hitting the post. Then Madrid also having a lot more control once Modric and Cruz came on. Plus, they were obviously pushing for the equalizer more than Barcelona were desperate for their second, even though Barcelona obviously they scored their second and third. Another post in the 87th minute, and then there was also a moment when Vinny Jr. was wide in a 1v1 against Des, and you're like, okay, how has Real Madrid not come back in this game? Nothing comes of that opportunity either. So yes, Ter Stegen, Luck, a lot of different things happened and coalesced together for Barcelona to wind up getting a 3 nothing game that they might have even lost this one 4 or 5-3 to three again. But once again, both these teams were figuring some things out. And I think Real Madrid, certainly, they have a system in place. And Mbappe really is the question mark. He's the thing that would change everything for Real Madrid. Because you add him to this side, and they're certainly, I think on paper at least, yes, they're better than Barcelona in terms of sheer mano mano talent as expected because of the fact that they can spend money in a way that Barcelona cannot, as we know. But I also think at this moment, if it's just these two teams, the way that they are, yes, 3-0 is a bit unfair to Real Madrid, but I think these two teams could be battling deep into the Liga. I don't think there is that much separating these two at all. I don't think Real Madrid are certainly that much better than Barcelona in any way. They didn't show that this season, and they didn't show it last season, even with Karim Benzema. So swapping out him for Bellingham and changing the system, they've still got a few things to work through. Headlines still a friendly. Speaking of working through things, it should be reminded. I know it was El Clasico. All hell broke loose, obviously, around, what, the 28th minute. Dembele was 1v1 with Courtois. Courtois stopped him. And then right after that, De Young's slide tackle earned him a yellow. 
probably gets him a red, maybe, in the Liga. I don't know about that. I still think it's just a yellow, especially in the first half of the game. I think if it happens in the second, it may be a red. So Roberto comes on for Gunawin, by the way, at the same time, as Gunawin comes out in the 42nd minute. That's a concern. Christensen also picked up an apparent knock 28 minutes in, as I mentioned. Nico Martinez probably would have been there as a substitute if healthy, but he's still not healthy as well, dealing with that plantar fasciitis that he picked up last season. And then Gunawin, as we learn, has discomfort in his right abductor. And then Christensen also in Achilles tendon. Both of those precautionary, which is just good to hear. The fact that you take those guys out, you don't worry about it, you get them all sorted, you have a few days off until the next preseason matchup, and then again, it doesn't have the same weight as El Clasico, you have to expect after Arsenal with a poor pitch, and then this one, there were questions about the pitch down in Dallas as well, so you feel like your two, I don't know, on paper, hardest preseason matches already done, and as you continue to rev up the intensity a bit, you can do that with more fitness, and you can do that with a little less, we'll say, with a little less emotion, supercharging everything. And on the point of Christensen, too, who was replaced by Eric Garcia instead in the 28th minute, I want to mention this, too. Yeah, we're seeing Eric Garcia in a friendly, seeing him in a quote-unquote big match, but also not. I want to throw in here that if you drag him against Arsenal, and I had to bring him up and I had to talk about him against Arsenal because, yeah, it wasn't his best as always. But if you're going to do that, then I also want to mention he did come in the 28th and then played that entire second half against Real Madrid as teammates around him were getting subbed out and things were changing, and he barely put a foot wrong the entire time. So if you're going to drag him against one team, then you got to give him some kind of, I'm not saying effusive praise, but he certainly was sturdy and they got a clean sheet. As much as Real Madrid were constantly on the attack and things like that, there are very few moments you can pick out for Eric Garcia, who was playing on the left side when Real Madrid were normally attacking Barcelona's right, where Eric did anything wrong in this match. And repeating another one of the themes that I said earlier about this being a friendly a reminder, too, that there are still solutions that Xavi is still trying to find out and work through. And I certainly have heard a lot of criticism for Xavi that once Barcelona do lose control or they don't have much control, he just throws on another midfielder, tries to add different guys into the middle of the field to get some kind of control, and that weakens the attack. And then sometimes if they don't get control while adding the other midfielder, then it's totally redundant and the other team is running down their throat. And I agree with the criticism to the point that I can still see this team struggling to create anything without Pedri because Gabi, as we know, won't be solving that kind of problem either about that lack of control. But where I'm a little less sad about it because I think Xavi's answer to that lack of control is primarily Gundogan, who, to his credit, played deep and meaningful games into the season last year with Manchester City. So it still looks like he is getting used to his teammates and the timing and the little things, and it's still pretty much preseason to him. So I'm not too worried about him or his progression. And I do feel like that lack of control will be mitigated quite a bit by Gunawin. Because in this match, it really did feel like it was Pedri or Bust again. And Gunawin will certainly answer a lot of those questions. But I am ready to see that first game where he's really pulling the strings. And now with that knock, we're going to have to wait another two or three matches. And finally, had fine five. And this kind of is the biggest one. Fermi Lopez earned his spot. And I know it sounds crazy that we're saying, hey, guy number 23, 24, 25 is a big headline, but it was a Clasico. And he had a 20-year-old scoring a goal to put the match away, as well as getting an assist to once more continue to put that match away. So the big news coming from after the game as well from Xavi, the one thing that we do know about the season is that Fermi Lopez will not be going out on loan again like he did with Linares in the third division last season, but he'll likely be incorporated and in the first team. 
And that'll be quite often, potentially even getting a first-team number. Who knows about that? But he was clearly impressing in training. So this performance wasn't maybe the difference there, but if one performance does it for you, maybe it was this one. For young players, these kind of performances show that they can play at that level in a way that, again, Gunawin isn't going to lose his spot because he didn't look totally sharp against Real Madrid. And same with Marcus Alonso against Arsenal. His spot is his spot, regardless of how bad you think he is or how much you want him sold. Like, he's going to be in the first team, that being Alonso, and you can't do anything about it. But for me, Lopez, he could have played his way into the first team, or he could have played his way to Barca Athletic, or he could have played his way back to some kind of loan, maybe in the first division, or maybe had been in the Segunda division. Like, we didn't know, because for a player that is like that, and who's just 20, just coming off a loan in the third division, he basically has everywhere to go and for him to wind up in the Barcelona first team potentially this season that obviously there was what of all the different permutations a one in 10 shot that that was going to be the best case scenario for him so he enters in the 66th minute with Rafinha for Dembele and Pedri and that game for Barca could have gotten away with those substitutes too as I already mentioned Madrid making the five changes Barcelona made a total of nine Ferran and Ansu in the middle Destin Alonso on for Balde and Araujo I mean that's a huge drop off I guess if you want to call it that Abde on the left making Roberto the only defensive midfielder for the last 10 minutes against Real Madrid I mean, if that's not a preseason friendly, I don't know what is when Roberto is the only one left on the field, again, as a defensive midfielder for you. And then you got five natural attackers in Farron, Ansu, Abde, Rafinha, and Fermin, because Fermin Lopez is an attacking midfielder to a winger. He is more to more those two positions than he is in any way, a deep-lying playmaker or anything like that. His assist to Farron Torres was nice. It was a little dink with his right foot in with him, and obviously his goal, though, will be the highlight. And what a moment it was for him. Roberto and Ansu win it. They turn him over. And that press, I wasn't looking at the press in such detail as I was. I think, again, the emotion in this game, some weird bounces, things like that. A lot of just your turn, my turn between these two teams on the night. Unlike Arsenal, where you could see there was just a lot more tinkering with pressing and numerations and things like that, where it was just a different level, I thought, with Arsenal, too, also being further along in their preseason than both of these two teams as well. As they get set for the Liga a little later than the Premier League, I, I just felt like, Yeah, the pressing wasn't something I was looking at tonight, but Roberto and Ansu certainly into it, a part of it. They win it, and then Fermin Lopez has one from just outside the box and put the game away. And he did with his left foot, too. He is right-footed. Did I look it up? No, I looked it up a few weeks ago when I heard that he was trading with the first team. Just to know, could he be a substitute for Pedri? We know with the Lo Celso rumors for Tottenham, we know with the Lanzini, and I kept mentioning this too on the podcast, that there is still an attacking midfielder. Goulart was also an answer that Xavi wanted. He wanted that another attacking midfielder. And Affirming Lopez is the cheap option. Again, best case scenario. Pedri, Gabi, Balde, best case scenario to get these players from your academy. And just a lot of luck as well, too. But he is right-footed. That's when I found out. I looked it up. And he is comfortable on that right side. And he did have a lot of time and space as he was nearing the box. That's what I heard from Madrid fans and fair to them. But Madrid also didn't step to him, gave him a lot of time. But he still had to beat Courtois from that distance with his left foot, smashed the top corner. And I think that's a perfect way to end it. That's what Barcelona did. Because if it was Real Madrid winning 3-0 and roles were reversed, the Real Madrid fans, you know how they would celebrate. You know how they would view this match. As in Barcelona, still, the scoreline is all that matters. And I think it's totally fair if Kule say, hey, 3 nothing, and that's the ending scoreline. Even though it's flattering, we can admit that Real Madrid could have scored five, six, seven goals in that game, but they didn't. Barcelona had the presence of mind to keep dealing with that pressure, keep dealing with all the posts, and not get out of sorts, not allow the actual easy goal to be converted. So even 
shots that hit the post, that means that there were shooting lanes that were closing. It means that defensively, Barcelona dug in enough to force some difficult looks on goal. Nothing easy for Real Madrid. That's why they got that goose egg. So credit to you, Barcelona. 3 nothing. The result doesn't truly matter, as we know. It was 1-0 to Barcelona last year in El Clasico. But, hey, that was also where Barcelona finished in the league. one I'll not say to Real Madrid finish zero, but if you're not first, you're last. So that's it. You know, I'm rambling now. That'll wrap it up. I will have another podcast, maybe on camera, maybe not, coming out likely on early Tuesday, where I'm going to review this with a guest, of course. But I hope you enjoyed this five headlines. Again, as I'm still off camera, as I'm still recovering, I don't know how much on air, off air I'll do, but I do hope you enjoy it either way. Because as always, work the bar side. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.